Well, we've been in this book for three weeks, and already the Lord has been speaking to some of us. Um, and, and, if, and if you're sitting there going, well, the Lord's not speaking with me yet, well, then ask Him to. Start inquiring of the Lord. Go to the Lord and say, I want to hear from you. So what we already know about Joshua is that he is at the edge of the promised land again. Uh, he'd been here like 40 years ago. Um, uh, okay, not literally, but metaphorically. Uh, they're not in the exact same place, but they're right on the edge, and the Lord's fixing to take them there. And there's been a leadership change. And this is all part of God's timing. God is speaking to Joshua. But here He's also speaking to, to all of God's people, unified. And we won't see that very often. We won't see the people come together and be unified that often. And, and it's pretty sad for, for God's people to, to not be unified more often. I mean, including right now in current history. But you have all these people of, of God talking in maturity here. And they have no idea of the commitment they're making. And, and sometimes uh, that commitment it doesn't really matter. God just wants us to commit. Sometimes we just have to, to say and pray, Jesus, I trust you. I don't understand what's going on, but I trust you. You know, they're at the edge of the promise, and, and Moses is right-hand man 40 years ago. And he and Caleb came, you know, back with a sense of excitement and joy, and, and, and it was crushed because they were outnumbered. For those who lacked vision and faith, and that vision uh, was Holy Spirit-driven, not man's, uh, not man-driven. That was driven by the Holy Spirit, and they came back and said, "Yes, we can do this." And the other ten said, "No, we can't." The other ten spies were basically saying, "You know, you got to be joking." I mean, there's giant people over there. There's walled cities over there. They will kill us. We all need to go back to Jesus. I mean, Jesus. Yes, we do need to go back to Jesus. But we all need to go back to Egypt. That's what they were saying. And they picked up stones to throw at Moses. 80-year-old man, and they were going to stone him. And the crowd turned on the leadership. We're going to kill Moses. We're going to kill her. We're going to kill Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. We're going to elect new leaders, and we're all going to go back to Egypt. But I don't know if you remember the little incident at the Red Sea. Um, Egypt is not exactly buddies with them. So God gets mad at them, of course, as we all would, and says, that is it. I'm going to kill all of them. And Moses intervenes, and God relents, and but they don't get to go see the promise. So Caleb, Joshua, Moses, Ur, and Aaron have to live through the consequences of someone else's sin. And that is so unfair if you've ever done that. If you've ever had to live through consequences because somebody else sinned. And God helped Joshua and Caleb live through it. At some point, I could imagine one or both of them just wanting to give up. It's not my fault that I'm out here. Asking, where are you in all this? I mean, are you on the same page as I am? I mean, ah, just a frustration. And God's response to that is this. You just stay faithful. That's right. He basically says, I made a promise to you and I plan to keep it. My question is, how long ago did God make promises to you? Did you plan to, to be there? Did you plan to, to, to stay with it, to be faithful with it? Did you, did you know that He plans on keeping those? 
Sometimes God gives us promises and, and we think it's going to instantly happen and it doesn't. And we, we, you know, our faith kind of wanes and we need to come back and say, Lord, you promised this. So if he made a promise to you, he is going to keep it. So here, here he is on the edge. Right now it's going to happen. And they're starting to get excited. They can't sleep. Uh, you know, the war drums are banging in a sense. It doesn't matter that the Jordan River is at flood stage. They're going to go. They're not having an ounce of, of, uh, of, you know, they finally came unified and they're not, uh, they're, they're not against, against uh, Joshua at all. I mean, they're, they're ready to go. They're not just having once a month meeting worship nights. They're worshiping God every night because they're ready to go for it. And God talks to them right before they go. He says in verse 6, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my, Mo- my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in whatever you do. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, that you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered all the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here, here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. That's an amazing thing to say. In three days, you get to inherit the promise. And the way the Lord talks, he, He's just like handing it to them. But we will see they will have to fight battle after battle after battle. And yet the Lord is handing it to them. And, and it's like this for us today too. The Lord hands us something and then sometimes we have to go out and fight these battles. Well, what is up with that? I, I don't get that. But the whole book of Joshua is like this, and it reflects on our Christian walk. We accept the Lord, we cross the Jordan into the promise of God is how we like to view it, and we immediately have to start fighting battles. I will give you rest, now go fight. So the opposite of how we would actually do it. I mean, can you imagine? They're going to march around Jericho, and I bet there will be those that are wondering, this is rest, Lord? I mean... They have guys up there on the walls with these, these great weapons. This, this, this city has been here forever. <clears throat> we, you know, the, they're up there screaming, we have the walls, what do you have? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes in this world we think that, that you know, that, that God is against us in a sense. The more we grow to be like Him, the more I have to fight sometimes. And, and sometimes we fault God for this, but we forget there's a spiritual opposition to God. <clears throat> God is not smacking us down every time we, we try to get ahead. As we travel on this journey and receive God's promise, don't forget that there is an opposition out there or we end up blaming God. i found that being a Christian sometimes is tough. You get all fired up about the Lord and, and then the world just hits you between the eyes and it doesn't feel like rest. We go to work and the boss calls us into the office and says, 
you got to stop talking about Jesus at work. Or maybe you're the first in your family to believe, like Rahab, that we'll talk about later. Uh, you know, we might not get there today, but we'll talk about it later. But, but, you know, why does God put us out there like that? Wouldn't, loving, wouldn't a loving fa- father, like, shelter us more? Wouldn't a loving father coddle us more? Why can't we have a church, uh, you know, all the same? Why, why can't we all be the same? You know, let's just buy some land in Montana and, and we won't let anybody in that doesn't think like us, right? Why would God have us in this evil, evil world? I mean, you can't even watch the news anymore. And why would God give us things and then turn around and make us fight battle in order to enter into whatever he's given us? These are the same questions that we will see the Lord answer as we go through this book. And the Lord says three days, or, you know, he tells Joshua to tell them three days, not two, not four, but three. Why does God use three days? Why would God have someone in the Old Testament named Yeshua leading people into the promise after three days? Well, what is this pointing to? Jesus. Moses represents the law, the wilderness, the struggle of life. And Joshua leads us into the promise after three days. Do you remember right before before they took Jesus, he told his disciples, you're going to have a really weird weekend. You won't understand it. But after three days, I'm leading you into the promise. This week, read about that in the New Testament. John is a great book to start in if you want to uh, you know, read about that. But three days, right at the point where we would say, how about right now? Let's just do it now. And God has them stay there for three days to prepare. But also as if he doesn't want it done by human adrenaline. You know, they say that momentum is the key of, of all leadership. If, if you've ever been there in leadership or been a coach or anything like that, when you have momentum, you've got to keep it going, right? Even if you've got to work harder to, to get to that point. Because momentum is the key to a company or a team. Momentum is a key to a classroom. When kids finally start to get something, you just got to keep rolling with it. And you depend on their adrenaline some. And we also see the churches try to operate this way. Get everyone revved up over something. It usually involves money. And the Lord says, I don't want your human momentum. I don't want your human effort. I want you to sit still for three days before you fight the hardest battle of your life. And I want you to think about how impossible it will be. So you will walk in a, a, in a, you, you'll walk in calm in a sense. And not all revved up, because this is a spiritual thing, not a human thing. And often, right before a heavy battle, he has us sit still and get rid of our own strength in, you know, in, in what God is, you know, God has made strong in what? My weakness. Because as we empty ourselves of our human ability, our human stuff, God is right there to fill us up with a very powerful thing. It's the same thing that raised him from the dead. That kind of power. One thing we need to to learn is this. Slow down. In the middle of the busy world, and in fact, it's very interesting, we've had to slow down. We have to see where God wants us to rest. 
We have to be willing to rest. If Hebrews says that there's a Sabbath rest for the people of God, the question is, am I part of the people of God? Then how come I'm not more rested? That's a good question. And we begin to ask God, is the day the day that I march, or is the day the day that I sit still by the Jordan? So they sit for three days on the side of the flood Jordan River. Don't know how they're going to get across this, this river next, much less get past Jericho, this, this walled city that's been around for 6,500 years, depending on how you feel about how long the earth has been here. We know that He created everything in, in seven days. But they're going to conquer a, you know, a 6,500-year-old city. Why has it lasted so long? Well, they have a wall. <laughs> and God has told us, the wilderness people, at the peak of the rainy season, that we're going to go up and fight against these, these people. We can't even get across the river. Lord, could you wait six months? It'll be easier to cross at that point because it'll almost be dry. But the river right now is rising. And God is going to throw logic in the wind because He gives His people the promise as long as they can keep themselves pure and faithful and obedient. They will see victory beyond what they could accomplish themselves. For every single person from Joshua on down, they would say, God did this. Do you have anything in your life that you feel, uh, feel this way about? That you sit there and you just think, God did this. I mean, it's like our adoption with our second son. We weren't even looking to adopt at the point, at that point, and so forth. And and uh, you know, we were just told that we couldn't even have a second child, or or you know, the the odds were very small. That you know, and and we're getting up there in age and all that. And then all of a sudden, literally, this little baby drops in our lap. In a sense, God did that, and we can look to that and look at all the ins and outs, and we can say, God did that. Now, there's been a couple other times in our lives that that, that, that has happened too, but, but I, you know, I won't go through them right now, but, but the Scriptures say that obediently, you know, I mean, it, it, the Scriptures say uh, exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. God did this. We've been pressed down. We've been running. You know, we, uh, we've been pressed. And, and the Holy Spirit, uh, the juice is just flowing. It runs over. Verse 12, it goes, But the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you? The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, and He has done for, and he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy, occupy your land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise." So sunrise is toward the east. All right, okay, so what's going on here? Joshua's following, following through on a promise that Moses gave. These two and a half tribes were at the edge of the promise. Uh, the area around the Jordan was very fertile because you had the water that would overflow the Jordan and then would shrink back down so they could grow things there. And you have to realize, 
They've been in the desert for 40 years. And all of a sudden, there's water. There's palm trees. There's good land. And they're like, hey, Mo, can, can we stay? We're like, hey, uh, we, we kind of like it right here. I mean, it's not the best looking place, but after 40 years, this is awesome. Can we just have this? So God and Moses got together and they adapted what they were going to uh, get, the tribes. And, 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 and they said, do you know that, that what you were going to get? Something that would have been even better? But God said, okay, you, you can have this land. And he blessed it. And I hope you're applying this to your life right now. Some of you may be already there, but I think we need to go all the way back to Egypt in a sense. There are Christians that are satisfied with just escaping Egypt. You know, the kind of, man, I, I am saved. I, oh, woo-wee, yes, the Lord, the Lord has saved me. And that is where their focus is, and that is where they stay. I mean, it's cool that they're saved. You know, I was in bondage, and now I am free. But there are Christians that stay right there. Back in Exodus 15, worshiping with Miriam. Really awesome, but it's a baby Christian thing. And we need, to, we need to keep remembering the wonder we had when we were first saved. And we need to keep that feeling in a sense. You know, never discount that. But God, but God also is probably going to take you through the wilderness and to the edge of the promise. But some of you can't get past it, that God saved us from some, something like the drugs or the alcohol or the moral relationships, even though God wants us to move on. We really need to be focused on, on where we are now, not where we were five years ago or, or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, that was all great, but we got to move forward. Sometimes it's up to us how long we spend in the wilderness. And for some of us, it's just like a year-long experience. For others, it seems like 40 years, maybe longer. And a lot of time, you know, a lot of that has to do with disobedience. And you have to make your own application here to figure out which one of you uh, is, or, you know, if this is you or not. Now, before you get all defensive, I don't know the sin in your life. Well, Pastor Allen, you shouldn't stand up there and judge us. Well, I'm not trying to do that. I don't, I don't do the judging. God does the judging. But if you're getting defensive about it, maybe that's between you and the Holy Spirit. It's between you and God. Now, there are some Christians satisfied enough to stay in the wilderness. The wilderness is tough. Not a lot of grass for the animals. You have to search for water all the time. I mean, it's work. But... There's not a lot of people to deal with. Not many battles. You get man in the morning. You get man at night. That's okay. I can deal with that. Moses took us to the Sinai. He gave us the law. You know, we're trying to obey, but we haven't had much success. But out here, we are okay. There are some of us who never get out of the wilderness. That point where we walk with the Lord, but, but we're still in the wilderness. We looked at the promised land like it's heaven. And the Jordan River is death. And there's actually some old, old hymns that we like to sing that basically state, state this. But we sang them, but they're really not biblical. I'm not saying all hymns aren't biblical. I'm not going there. I'm just saying there's a couple of hymns that we would sing directly about this that weren't biblical. Now, how do we know this? Well, there are battles in the promised land. And when we go to heaven, there won't be any battles. 
The promised land is the life He wants to give us now. However, there are some of you just satisfied to be saved. There are some who are, who are satisfied to go to the wilderness. Then there are some like the two and a half tribes, tribes of Reuben and half of Manassas and, and, and Gad. So you have 12 tribes consisting of 1 million to 4 million people, somewhere right in there. And they have many believers who are content to stay right at the edge of promise because it's good enough. What they do is, is trade, uh, trade in the better for, for, you know, somewhat okay. Because, you know, getting the best, it's hard. Hard to figure out how to enter in there. How do you get there? And by the time you do, man, you're really just tired. Hey, there are palm trees here. This looks good. Hey, I'm going to be, you know, be this much of a Christian. And to go further is to, to have to learn things and to do things that I just don't understand. And, the, you know, this will, will, will change too many things in my life to have to cross that Jordan. So I'm going to stay right here. Unfortunately, many Christians are right there. And you know what is cool about God? He doesn't slap us down. He doesn't zap us to, you know, to death right there. If we choose to stay in the wilderness, He lets us. If we choose to cross into the, you know, enter into rest, He lets us. For those who, who don't think that we have a free will, you're wrong. We have a free will. The Lord allows us to choose. As I've, I've studied this and I had to ask myself, what part of me doesn't want to cross the Jordan? I would say about 90, 98% of me. I mean, a good day, I'm ready to cross the Jordan. But for, for the most part, I understand these two and a half tribes. Lord, this is good enough. And then I have to relate this to our church. Is it good enough for you? Is the promise that you want for our church, are we there? Is this what you want? I mean, I kind of relate to some of this stuff. Where do we go from this? From, you know, from here, what do we do as a church? Do you know in this chapter, Joshua does not know how the walls of Jericho are going to fall? We get to read about it. We know about it. Joshua has no clue. As a follower, we trust that our leaders know where God is going to take us. But as a leader, you're staying up late asking God, what, what are you doing here? How are we going to get through this? One thing I'm learning is this. I don't want to stall on the edge of the Jordan because I don't know how we're going uh, to do something or get somewhere. So where is the Lord taking us? I don't know. But what do I do know? There will be battles. There will be victories. There will be some setbacks. But we will continue to follow the Lord. This is very important for us to sit still for the Lord that the leadership doesn't have to rev us up to get us following the Lord, that we don't have to cheer, you know, have a cheerleader to lead us to victory because the Lord is our cheerleader, not man. I want the Holy Spirit to awaken us. And I don't want to come, and I don't want it to come from me. I don't want it to be all about, uh, you know, trying to rev myself up. Because if it does come for me, then I will fail, and we will fail. It has to come from the Lord. So I'm going to do something very unusual. I'm going to ask a simple question. Where does the Lord want you to serve Him? Where does He not want you to serve Him? 
If you're in a leadership position, is that what the Lord wants you? If not, let me know. And if you're out there and you, you haven't been serving, you need to ask the Lord, where does the Lord want you to serve, especially as we start coming back together to meet? Pray and then come and talk to me or text me. We need help in, in all areas of our church. Worship, children, youth, men's, women's, sound, PowerPoint. My wife is going, yeah, we need help in sound and PowerPoint because a lot of times she's the one doing some of that. Facilities and heart team and, and prayer ministry. Maybe it's totally a new ministry we haven't even thought of yet. It is time for leadership to step up in certain areas. And I don't know, I, I, you know, I want the Lord to direct it. I don't know who's that going to be, but I do know that we need help. Just like every other ch- uh, church around here needs help. We need people to stand up and say, I will serve. Now, there's been those that are serving in certain areas for a long time. Do you need a break? I don't know. This is between you and the Lord. So if you're gifted in an area and you feel that, that it's time to jump in, then come talk to me. Write a note, you know, email, you know, give me a call, text me, whatever it is, communicate. But what I don't want to do is stay on the side of the Jordan because it's comfortable and easier. God is taking us somewhere, and I don't know exactly where, but we're on the edge of a promise, and God wants to teach us how to do it right. So don't have, you know, I, I don't want to go back into the wilderness. I don't want to take another lap around Sinai. And the Lord's sitting there going, this time I want you to listen. This time I want you to learn. This time I want you to follow me instead of getting out in front of me. But when he parts the Jordan, you're walking across. Well, let's do a couple more verses and and then, you know, I promise the next few weeks we'll, we'll move a little quicker. It says in verse 16, Then they answered Joshua, and this is where they're all committed. Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Now, could you imagine a million people saying that? Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. <laughs> I'm sure that statement gave Joshua a lot of comfort. Joshua's sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, you know, whatever I say, you'll obey. Okay, okay, okay. Just as you did, you know, follow. Wait, wait, wait. Did they just say they followed Moses? I mean, they were fixing a stone Moses 40 years ago and all that kind of stuff. You know, they were doing great until they came up with this, the short memory. And then they go on to say, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Wow. I mean, they're operating on wilderness law here. Joshua's not jumping in and stopping them from saying this either. I think it's great. And he goes on and says, only be strong and courageous. Isn't it interesting that the people even know what the leader needs to hear? They're telling Joshua, you don't have to be nervous. We are with you here. Now, Joshua takes what he can get here, and he's not revving them up. This is, uh, the, this is spontaneous. And when God is doing something positive you know, for the people, the people need to enjoy it. Well, let's stop there for today. You, you know, if you want to read chapter 2 this week, uh, you know, ask yourself, 
who you are in the story, and we'll, we'll ask that question at the beginning of the sermon next week to, to get us to focus. Who are we in the story? And we'll have some fun with that next week, but uh, uh, try to get around to reading chapter 2 this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this book. We thank you for Josh's uh, leadership. We pray that as we go through this, that you can teach us something about ourselves. As we look at the scriptures, it's just not something we study, but it's something that we really, truly think about and implement into our lives. As you relate to these people, we can start to understand how you relate to us and how important it is for us to to lean on you in all aspects of our life. Whether we're, we're in Egypt or whether we're in the wilderness or whether we're on the edge of the promised land, that you are there with us and you're not going to give us anything to do that we can't accomplish through you. We thank you, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you and may you find favor in him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you guys have a great week.